Welcome back to Feature Presentation. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And this is the first edition of our second year of Halloween Double Features. Every uh, October we've been doing where we come up with a couple of different categories, different spooky related things. Uh, and then we will each select a film not known to the other person that revolves around that theme, have a double feature, see how it went. Last year we did witches, we did creatures, and we vampires. did vampires. This year we're doing killers and zombies and werewolves. This is our killers episode. We announced on the last episode of the Future Presentation Podcast, the Cooper Rafe double feature, which is not a spooky double feature, but it is a good double, um, that we were doing killers, and we announced our two films, which uh, my pick is a movie called Theater of Blood from the 70s. Mine is Death Be... Sorry. Mine is Death Becomes Her from 92, 3? 70s and 90s is, is, is what we're looking at here. Um, and I had to say, folks, I think we've started off on too high of a note. Um, we're doing three of these throughout this month, like I said, and um, this is our best one yet, and I think it may forever be our best one. In fact, I think we should just retire the bit now um, because we completely separate uh, piece together this really, really great double feature. Um, I knew Taylor's pick going into this week uh, because uh, – we, you know, it was like the Amazon thing was on the TV, and she was like, "We're gonna do those double feature episodes, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "One of them's killers, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I looked at the TV and went, "Is your pick Death Becomes Her?" I tried to be sly. It didn't work. I just got really excited about it. It was like one of those where you pause the movie and it goes like other movies you might like, and Death Becomes Her was one of them. And I was like, "Uh, uh, uh," because we hadn't spoken about doing the double. So last year, for our first annual double, double trouble feature, if you will. Um, double, double toil and trouble, if ooh, you will. Ooh, yes, love it. Um, for our first one, we were going to do Killers last year. We didn't have time. So I, personally, have been sitting on this for a year. I'm curious, did your pick change over that year, or did you always know you were going to do Theater of Blood? Well, if you remember, I didn't like my pick last year. I was just kind of wishy-washy, and I just couldn't really come up with something because it, it just felt almost a little too broad. And so eventually I had actually decided on Child's Play, the original Chucky film, just because I was like, I've never seen it. It's one of those that, like, you should see. He's a killer. Sure. But I was never crazy about it. And then when we ended up doing an episode about the Exhumed Films 24-hour horror-thon uh, last year, and that kind of took that double feature spot. In fact, I will be doing another episode about the Exhumed Films 24-hour horror-thon part 16 later on this month. So look forward to that. Not not your own part 16. No, you their have part not, 16. You have not been 16. No, I've, I've been. This will be my second year, but they've done 16 of them. Uh, they call it part 60. That's why I said that. Um, but yeah, we just just like, ah, let's bump the killers to double feature. We don't have time for that. And then I was always just like, I got to come up with something better. And then one day I was going through my letterbox watch list for something else. I don't even remember how I stumbled upon Theater of Blood. Um, might have been going through like Shakespeare stuff or something. I was going through my watch list for something else. And I was like, oh, this is this is it. This is exactly what I think Taylor we're going to kick out of this. Um, especially if we do it early in the month. It seems like kind of creepy but it's not like like it's good october 4th kind of halloween stuff i don't know if it's good october 29th 
Halloween stuff. You know, it's like you always start the month with like the Universal Monsters, some of the black and whites, the Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the Wolfmans, you know, stuff like that. And then you kind of like get closer and closer to Halloween, and that's when you get kind of the more intense, more autumnal, more Octobery stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, this would be perfect. And then so I'm st- even then I've been sitting on it for like six months. So it was not a pair with Death Becomes Her. I already knew my pick. Um, but I was like, oh, that'll be cool. We both have kind of like horror comedies. Little did we know that it was like really going to be, I think, the best pairing we will ever come up with. I'm like scared to hear your zombie pick later in the episode because I'm just going to be like, okay, sure. So, yeah, it is. You are going to be like, okay, yeah, sure. Well, I, I don't mean that about your pick, but just about about the pairing itself. Like, okay, fine. Sure, there are two zombie movies. Yeah, I actually, I'm just going to be transparent and say, well, first of all, my dog picked it. Our dog. Uh, sorry, yeah, our dog picked it. I was torn between two films. I will just be honest and say, like, both of them are incredibly mainstream. And they're both just, like, I am not a zombie movie person. Like, I really mm-hmm. am not. I thought about maybe even doing, like, Shaun of the Dead or Zombieland, but I felt like those two movies are, like, something we might watch one day for, like, something else. But I will be honest and say, because I'm not a zombie films person, I am going very, very mainstream here. And I'm, I am I ended up, both of the movies, I basically I held treats in each hand and I told my dog which each hand was for and he chose um the other one was what is it called 28 days later or whatever um this is going to be along a similar line i think it's just like a must watch sort of i say must watch in quotes must watch zombie movie i'm checking it off of a of a made-up list in my head it's it's not going to be this delicious (laughs) that's a good good word yeah, mine's also just like a. This is a movie that we should watch. It's a big budget, you know. It's a, it's a, you know, ten zombie movies you watch before you die kind of pick. Yeah. Let's get into Theater of Blood and Death Becomes Her. Um, if you haven't seen these two movies, folks, we can't recommend them enough, and can't recommend them as a double feature enough. You start with Theater of Blood, okay? Not only because it's uh, it's the first, you know, it came out twenty years earlier, right? But also, and I'll explain in a minute, it has like. Death Becomes Her almost like picks up where Theater of Blood left off. Um, Theater of Blood. According to the Video Hounds Golden Movie Retriever 2004 Complete Guide to Movies on Video Cassette and DVD. Feels good to say that again, doesn't it? I know. It? We love this book. Uh, it was given three bones, which is pretty good for them. Three bones stands for good story, fine acting, provide decent entertainment, return on video investment. Would recommend to family members, even distant cousins. I might go a step above that, but it's a good review for them. Apparently, this movie was also called Much Ado About Murder, which is a better title. Yeah, I think it is. I, I kind of like the fact that Theater of Blood is just like, this movie's going to be stupid. <laughs> you know, the video hound guide reads... Shakespearean ham actor Edward Lionheart, who's played by Vincent Price, committed suicide after losing an award and being ridiculed by the critics. Now those same critics are being murdered in bizarre ways. In fact, their deaths parallel those in the plays of the Bard. Well, it's no big surprise to discover that Lionheart is indeed alive and committing the inventive crimes with the assistance of his lovely daughter. Top drawer comedy noir, that's a tough sentence to say, especially if you went to uh, speech therapy as a child for your R's with a great supporting cast of Britain's best and quite a bit of gore. Yes. I think that that's a good synopsis. I think so too. So it was a pick for both of us really because of the Shakespeare element, right? He's a Shakespearean actor and he does like, I guess they sort of imply he does like 
a year where he does like 12 different plays and he plays the lead in all of them. And that's what he thinks he's going to get his award for. Like all in one season, he plays Richard the third and he plays Macbeth and he plays King Lear. And it sounded pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And of course it's Vincent Price, right? Vincent Price is a, a horror icon. He is a, a like hammy sounds like a bad word. I think they used the word hammy in the video guide. I love the Vincent Price hammy. I think a lot of people like the Vincent Price hammy, right? Um, all of those 50s movies, all of those 60s movies. By the 70s, he, he goes, he does a lot of British stuff, right? And this is kind of the end of his live action career. By the time you get to the 80s, he does the thriller music video narration. He does The Great Mouse Detective, which is still and will, will forever be my favorite Vincent Price performance. And favorite Disney movie, right? It's oh yeah, oh yeah, um, and so this is like this is sort of at the end, and I think that's he's playing this character, right? He's playing this character who is a lifelong Shakespearean, has 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 uh, you know played the boards forever, and is is ready for this recognition, especially when he's going to do this sort of magnum opus play, ten parts or twelve parts in a year, whatever it may be, right? And the um, critics choose somebody else for their best actor of the year award. And he, he busts into their, like, party and says, you know, give me the award. Like, take it back from that schmuck. Give it to me. I worked my whole life. I deserve it. I am great. And they're like, you are a hack. We hate you. We're so sick of your shit. Get out of here. He just, it's not, it's not funny. It's funny in the movie. He just flings himself out the window of this very tall building. And they're like, oh, no, he's dead. And, of course, he comes back. He, he, he does all these different murders. Well, to be clear, he doesn't fall into the pavement. I think that's very important. He falls he into did, the river. He falls into the river and washes up. So a little more believable in terms of surviving right. that fall. He washes up into this, like, homeless camp. And he becomes, like, he, like the leader of the homeless people. And they, like, help him commit these murders. And that starts off, like, as, as well as it could be with Julius Caesar, where, of course— on the Ides of March, it's March 15th. That's when the first critic gets killed. He gets killed by, like, a giant mob of people stabbing him, at, you know, as in Julius Caesar. And, um, of course, Vincent Price leads the mob. And he uses all of the people in this homeless, you know, uh, camp to commit the murder. And they just kind of seem happy to do it for him. And that's how it starts. It starts with that open. And then it is just, like, ridiculous kill slash ridiculous disguise slash ridiculous monologue probably seven eight ten times over i guess i could go to the wikipedia page and count but they do you know um they do othello they do macbeth they do romeo and juliet of course they do titus andronicus um they they really go through it um henry the sixth part one richard the third i appreciated the love for the henry the sixth plays you don't see those a lot it's like interesting like oh they did henry the sixth but they didn't do hamlet oh okay sure (laughs) well it's they alluded to the fact that it would be chronological but i don't know where hamlet came in because they went like the henry sixes were early so i don't think so is romeo and juliet so i don't think so because they said like the next play in the canon oh it was no 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 it was um in, on the poster of the plays that he was doing, like they oh. were going down the poster. Yeah, the Merchant of Venice, of course, the iconic pound of flesh. And so every time he kills somebody, he he um, dresses up <laughs> in these huge. There's at one point he, he has this giant ridiculous mustache, and at one point he puts 
a fake giant mustache over his so that he could rip that one off. They're like, Lionheart, no! <laughs> and he wears these crazy costumes, and every time he kills them, he does the, the famous monologue from that play, you know, give me the pound of flesh or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so, like, as people who, like, we would go like, oh, they're about to do Romeo and Juliet. Or like, oh, this is, of course, going to be that kill because we know these plays really well. Between that and the fact that the movie is just, like, very campy and very ridiculous and a lot of fun, we had a blast. It really was a lot of fun. This is a very niche situation, but I feel like I can't adequately describe how much fun I had at this movie without giving you this little bit of, like, life uh, circumstance. I work at a theater. I work at an active producing theater, and I am a marketer, so reviews are very, very important to me for my job to make sure that we're selling tickets, that people like it, whatever. We just opened a show that has not gone well for reviews, and at the time we were watching this, that same day, there's basically, in, our, in my theater city, there's essentially one guy who has, like, total control. And he's like, if you get a good review for, for him, you sell, the sky is the limit for tickets you'll sell. And if you get a bad review for him from him, that's it. Close your doors. And the day that we watched Theater of Blood, he gave us a really bad review. <laughs> and I just felt like, yeah, I kind of feel like this right now. Yeah, like, get him. Yeah, you kill the critics. And and it's so funny. <laughs> Us, culture critics. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. But, like, there's, uh, there's at one point, this guy says, uh, like, you know, how dare you? You have no idea. And by guy, I mean Lionheart. He goes, it's like, been surprised, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he goes, like, how dare you? You, how, you, don't, you have no idea the time and effort it takes to put on a theatrical production. And I, felt, I feel like saying that to that culture critic in my city right now and being like, how dare you? You already know we're not going to sell tickets to this thing. Why do you have to make it harder for me? Like, I don't know. I just feel like very timely. Um but separate from that very niche experience and kind of uh, just like funny coincidence in terms of timing. Um, yeah, it's great. It's super fun. Like way more fun than I thought. Um, I don't know what I expected from this. To be honest, like the 70s, not my favorite era of film. I feel like the kind of humor and the kind of just like stylistic choices, they don't tend to land for me I, I have to be really into a movie's like idea before I like commit to it it's also like the most identifiable decade like there is no there's no fooling you know um it it just feels very 70s and every 70s film feels that way regardless of what country they are from right so I appreciate the fact that in this 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 English film that there is at least that like English sensibility and that sense of humor. And so like, I think that's maybe what helped you out a little bit. For sure. It feels very distinct and it feels kind of in its own lane a little bit. And that helped me a ton. It's funny because sixties and seventies music is by far my favorite era of music. I would actually venture probably to say more seventies and sixties. Um, so I think in terms of just, like, culture, I'm much more veered towards the music than the movies. Um, but, yeah, I I really 
I found this just so fun. I found it really charming. I know that's weird to say about, like, a thriller movie, but, like, you just kind of, like, root for everybody in a way because you just find them funny and, and charming and, and I don't, I, I really, it's hard for me to find a word other than fun. Like, I just had a blast watching this. The cinematography is really great. Like, I love how, I hate when there are movies, okay, I'm gonna poo on a movie real quick. No. Death on the Nile. <laughs> I think you'll be fine with me pooing well, on Well, the this. new one. Yeah. Not to be confused with, I believe, the 70s one. The new one, which stinks. Which stinks, objectively. Those movies, and to be fair, I have not seen Haunting in Venice. I've heard that that's the best one, whatever. Those movies are should be super theatrical. So it makes me really sad. And you would think that Ken Branagh, of all people. Exactly. You you cast this, like, you know, theater canon auteur, you know, in, in well, your movie. he casts himself. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, you, but he should cast himself for a reason. Like, yeah. he knows his experience, whatever. So when you go and sit down in the theater to see Death of the Nile, and it's just a bunch of actors acting for the screen in front of a green screen where is the theater where is the theater because like i feel like agatha christie like wrote these pieces to be theatrical she wrote them to be big and you have kenneth Branagh to be big and to be theater and to be whatever and so what i appreciated is like just because film is the medium does not mean something cannot be theatrical you can have both and i think this like the more people lean into that and they recognize when a script script a script kind of calls for that theatrical element and they really just go for it i love that i really respect that i hate trying to make theatrical things feel like they need to be natural and and film like and whatever like not everything does and this is a perfect example of knowing your place knowing how to approach something and doing it in a way that really does justice for it uh, number one, I think to your point, like obviously Agatha Christie wrote these as novels, right? But then, like when you see Charles Lawton do it, when you see Peter Ustinov do it, like you go, like, oh, okay, that's how you kind of lift it off the page, you know? Because when you read something, it's however you want it to be in your head, right? And so that's going to translate big, and 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 I, I agree with you. My second point to what you just said is. Um, they should either remake this movie with Ken Brana, which would be hilarious, or I think Ken Brana should just do this in real life. <laughs> but it's all the critics for Death on the Nile. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> yeah, one day. Killing us in front of a green screen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Literally. If, if we ever go missing, I want all fingers pointed to Ken Brana. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Oh, my God. Um. Anyway. No, so you're like, I think that's another thing. Is I think that's why the Knives Out movies work so well. I think Knives Daniel Out. Daniel Craig Knives- is is doing that. What what is the Looney Tunes? They always compare him to the big um the big chicken guy. What's his name? Oh my god, Cockadoodle Doo. What's his name? Uh, all I can think is Big Bird now because you said a big bird. <laughs> um, okay, hold on. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm blanking. He's a rooster, right? I can see him in my head. Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. He's doing Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. And I feel like that's a perfect example of, like, the Knives Out movies, they still are film-like in a lot of ways. Like, visually, they're not entirely theatrical. Like, the Glass House and Glass Onion, that's not a stage. We know that. Like, that is, like, that is something that you can only pull off on film. You that's could not, Netflix money, baby. You could not recreate that vibe in the way that it is created for that film on a, on a stage. You just couldn't. And so that 
movie is a perfect example of like the characters, the story, the performances are theatrical, are larger than life, but you root it in a world that is designed for film. That is like how you strike a good balance, not Death on the Nile. <laughs> All right, we're done putting on Death on the Nile, but I think that's something that works. Like obviously, that's why you pick Vincent Price, right? He has this this um, uh, um, aura about him that is kind of silly. It can be creepy, and it is creepy in this film, and it is creepy in many other films. But there is just this certain like flamboyant nature to it. And so when he busts into Shylock's monologue, when he busts into King Lear or, or Macbeth or whatever it may be, um, it's silly. And you can also kind of go like, yeah, he stinks. I'll, I'll, to be fair, not, not Vincent Price. No, no, no. He's amazing. Uh, the Lionheart. Like, yes, it's a little bit kind of how we did Shakespeare in the 70s. But, like, you can also see why the critics would be like, you're boring. Like, you are uninventive. You are not creative. This is how everybody does Shakespeare. Blah, blah, blah. He does that very – he pontificates, you know. there <laughs> at a point where you were like, did he just turn towards the camera and do that? You know, like, yeah, he'll just randomly break the fourth wall. Yeah, it's, it's very – it's very theatrical. And of course, when he he gets in these ridiculous, he dresses up like a hippie hairstylist at one point. He um, obviously dresses like a homeless person and sort of like disguises himself in that opening scene. Um, there's a scene where he fences somebody, um, which we thought was Hamlet until they said Romeo and Juliet, and we we're like, oh, okay, sure. That that's the worst fencing scene, but he should have done the poison. But yeah, for sure. Whatever, who cares? Um, and. Fencing is great because you can just put a mask on him and then have a stunt double run around. And they're like two very physically capable stunt doubles, like doing flips and jumping on stuff and running across balance beams and but stuff. But it works because they like, have a mask on. And then they take the mask off and it's the two actors again. You they know? haven't broken a sweat. And it's, and it's hilarious, right? Like that's that's the kind of vibe of like over the top. Like this movie knows exactly what it is. And in a very Death Becomes Her kind of way, which we'll talk about in a second, it's not only it doesn't it doesn't accidentally fall into camp. And it also doesn't just go like, well, this is kind of campy, let's commit to it. No, it's like on the page, this is going to be silly. Yeah. I feel like I really liked what you said about like it knows exactly what it wants to be. It feels like a passion project. And I say that in the sense of it feels like something that the director or creator or producer sat around for 25 years dreaming up this. They had the thought for the first time when they were 17 years old in the shower and then they just molded over and molded over and molded over and thought about it and thought about it and added to it and added to it and then finally got the money to do it and it just was so like they knew exactly what they wanted it to be and so and there it was. I feel like it, it just really feels like that to me. It feels like something that had been in the works for a very long time. I don't know if that's true, but that is how it comes across to me. Like, they all the trial and error that is done with movies, it was done in his head prior. They also adapted this for the stage many years later. The, the um, company Improbable um, made it a stage play. They did it at the National Theater in London. I would love to see this on stage. I think it would... I think it would, no pun intended, but also pun intended, kill. I was going to say, no pun intended, murder. <laughs> yeah, I think it would murder. I really do. Because, like, 
it's very inside baseball for theater people while also not like it's kind of like moneyball esque okay where you go like if you know a lot about baseball and if you know a lot about you know the Oakland Athletics in the early 21st century and you know a lot about analytics the movie's even better but people who don't know those things still like Moneyball it's still a great baseball movie and I think that this is like that I think like if you know all the Shakespearean stuff when he busts into the Shylock speech you're like this is ridiculous because it's obviously not even close to the context like you know that speech in particular that speech in the show is very sad and very um it's it's about a man who reaches his breaking point. It's a man who's having trouble, um, you know, connecting to his religion. It's about anti-Semitism. It's a very tough moment. And this movie, it's just like, nah, forget all that. What if it was silly? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I really had such a fun time. I would love to see like it, the see the adaptation, and then let the complete work guys just like punch <laughs> it up a little bit. Um, I don't know. I feel like that would be literally perfect. But moving on to my pick, Death Becomes Her. Uh, again, I have been sitting on this for a while. I can't remember how I found out about this movie. I had never heard of it. But I occasionally will just go through people that I follow on Letterboxd and go through like literally all of their lists and just see what movies they like and compile and what have you. Uh, and I think I found this on someone's list and I will just like read the synopsis and add it to my watch list. Uh, and, and that's what I did. So it was on my watch list for a while. And then when you told us we were doing, told me you were doing this double feature, uh, last year, I went through my watch list first and foremost, cause again, this project is, you know, for better, for worse, maybe with zombies for worse, an opportunity to check some things off that list. Uh, I was like, let's do death becomes her. But I was really excited because I had not heard of it prior to like my watch list. So the reason, and this doesn't, it doesn't say this in the, in the video hound guide, so I'll just say this real quick. The reason why it is like the perfect B movie to Theater of Blood is you've got this ridiculous, over-the-top theater Shakespeare thing. And then in the first 30 seconds of Death Becomes Her, what do they do? They walk into a Broadway theater, Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn walk in to go see Meryl Streep in this terrible musical and then it's about an aging actress who uh, whose life is not what she wanted it to be and takes revenge on people, blah, blah, blah. Read the synopsis. And we were like, whoa. Yeah, I we nailed it. We nailed it. Here it is. Death Becomes Her. Also Three Bones. Theater of Blood is better. Um, aging actress Streep will do anything to stay young and beautiful, especially when childhood rival Han shows up. 200 pounds lighter and out to revenge the loss of her fiancé, Streep's henpecked hubby. Doing anything arrives in the form of a potion that stops the aging process and keeps her alive forever. Watch for this hilarious party filled with dead celebrities who all look as good as the day they died. Great special effects. I don't know about that. And fun performances by Streep and Han playing there. Sorry, page turn. Glamour girl rolls to the hilt. Add merit to this biting commentary on Hollywood's obsession with beauty and youth. I make fun of the the special effects they were probably amazing in 1992 in fact they were amazing in 1992 um, but i honestly feel like they don't age badly in the sense that like obviously they're not good to today's standard they like age in like a way that i feel like preserves the camp yeah no for sure i i think it, it almost plays better now i agree um 
that synopsis I don't think is very good. I think it kind of starts like 25 minutes into the movie. There's like three different prologues before the movie actually starts, before that synopsis starts. I will just say, going off that three prologues thing, its biggest crime is the length. It really could be well, trimmed down. It's like an hour 45-ish. But yeah, it doesn't start until like 25. It could be a crisp minutes. 90. Yeah, it, it probably could. Um, it, at one point it was like, it does a scene and then it says seven years later and then it does like one 90 second scene and then it says seven years later and you're like okay we're at 14 years later now and then it says like 27 years later and then it's like oh well this is just when the movie starts like we could have kind of just started here but i liked all that stuff the worst part about that synopsis and we'll come back to the ladies in a minute is that it doesn't mention bruce willis who is iconic in this my maybe my favorite bruce willis performance ever i don't know if i've ever seen him have so much fun and i love that for him okay well die hard is awesome but i'm not a okay, person you are a stinger um like we all know meryl streep is great blah 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 okay and goldie hawn obviously very funny okay love her has made has made a, a ton of very very funny movies very over-the-top movies Bruce Willis, um, I don't know if people realize how funny he is. Like, yeah, 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 he's like the funny everyman in in um in Die Hard, you know, and he does he's he's a wise ass and he cracks jokes in this movie and that movie. He's always given like cop funny. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. America's man funny. Right, right, right. And like, sure, Smart I think person. other people do that better, but All I don't right. I know I, I not what i mean i mean like i think that like bruce willis is talented beyond that like i wouldn't right. say like oh he is the guy i would cast as the funny smart ass cop america's man whatever like i would go to other people first that's not to say that he's not good at that it's just like he's good at so many things like that is not what i think of bruce willis as because i think he's so supremely talented in in many different ways and so in this he's full-on playing a character he also has a fake mustache i love it i wish that he had kept it he's got the the toupee on right and he love it and he plays the ex of both of these women well he plays the the boyfriend it's complicated the, the boyfriend of goldie hawn who leaves goldie hawn for meryl streep who marries meryl streep meryl streep and then falls back in love with goldie hawn and then both of them it's a mess, but <coughs> excuse me. Um, he's 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 he plays a plastic surgeon, which I love. And he spends the entire time trying to sort of get with one of them, right? The idea is like whichever one of these women beats out because they kill the other one, I want to also be in good graces with that woman so that I'm good with her, right? And he bounces between the two women, and he is very very funny in this because he's. He's very committed in a way that, like, I don't know, you don't typically think of your action stars as. Now, granted, he was a different type of action star, but he really, it's its its almost as if, like, this is what he does. Like, he's a character actor, which he was not a character actor. Yeah, I feel like he really, I mean, he really blew me away in this. And, and I, if I, if someone gave me this script and said, now cast it, okay, and, you know, cast it with, people of the 90s or whatever uh bruce wilson that would not come to mind but uh, there's no one better for it so i don't know if i should be thinking the casting team who thought of him i don't know if i should think his agents who did it uh or who put his name in the hat but thank you thank you to the ether for for putting him in this and then listen i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it meryl streep 
just leaves me cold. I don't care how good she is. I don't care. In this or in general? In general. I don't care what she does. She is objectively great. I will never deny that. But personally, she does nothing for me. When she shows up, I go, meh. And so that, for me, is like she's the third person of the three. I really love Meryl Streep. I feel like I just find her very captivating. I find her just like like glorious i don't know like i just find her like um just just captivating like that's really the only word i can think of um just like truly someone i can't take my eyes off of if she's on screen and i loved her in this i i wish that i i I have not seen her in a ton of comedic roles i don't know if she did a ton of comedic roles but i thought that she was really brilliant in this and i thought that her and goldie had such great chemistry together um i'm also a huge goldie hahn fan overboard was one of my favorite movies ever growing up uh i i actually should really re-watch it i haven't watched it in years but me and my mom watched overboard all the time love kate hudson so obviously goldie passed that along to her i feel like they have a very similar similar vibe in terms of they're also just like radiant and and make you giggle and make you smile. Um, but yeah, I think that Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are they are like same same but different. Does that make sense? Like they are like they have similarities, but they also have stark differences. And I think the the similarities play really well together, and the differences contrast each other really well. And it's just a great mix. It's a great chemistry. The three of them together, it's just unstoppable. Also, you have Isabella Rossellini as, like, the potion mistress, witch, whatever she's called. And there's a lot of really great physical stuff with her character um, because she's already ageless. She's already, you know, drank this poison that helps her live forever. So there's a lot of her being 95 years old, but obviously still Isabella Rossellini and and her running around naked just because she can, you know. Um, and of course, Goldie Hawn. I, I didn't really mention Goldie Hawn. I agree. Adorable, hilarious. Everybody loves Goldie Hawn. I love Foul Play. If you haven't seen Foul Play, I feel like this would be a good double with Foul Play because that's like kind of noir comedy and this is horror comedy. Um, but even in that, it's kind of almost more like fantasy than horror. I mean, there's nothing really horror about it. Uh, they try to kill each other the entire time. I think, you know, if this was were to be paired with Child's Play, We'd be talking about two different movies, right? But the fact that it happened to be paired with another, uh, I already did the spiel, right? Another um, aging theater person who hates blah, 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 blah. It was perfect. And the other great thing is Death Becomes Her doesn't, doesn't, you know, nail that into the ground, right? Like it kind of sets it up like that. It does it for a little while. But by the time you get to the end, you've forgotten all that theater stuff. It's not about Broadway. It's not about critics. It's not about like – They've gone so far in the attempting to kill each other while they are both immortal. And, you know, the, the effects that we mentioned, their heads are on backwards and they have giant holes in them because they've been shot with bazookas or whatever the heck it is, right? Air guns that act like bazookas. And it's gotten very kind of slapsticky. Um, and so it almost kind of seems like the natural progression of like, okay, if we're going to start with this theater thing, we can't watch that for four hours straight. So we'll set it up to be a great double. But then it'll be something completely different by the time the movie ends. And once again, a great example of, you know, we need film as a medium to do the effects that we want to do. We can't have her have a hole in her body on stage. This you could not do on stage, unlike Theater of Blood. Exactly. You can't do this on stage. But 
it is still theatrical in nature. It still feels like if not for the technicalities, you could do this on stage or adapt it for the stage, you know, what have you. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, doubles can be strong for many reasons. They can be strong because they're incredibly similar. They can be strong because they have the same theme. They can be strong because they have, um, you know, similar actors, whatever. Um, but this double is really strong because they're about as different as they can be in terms of like surface level, like two wildly different decades, two wildly different performances, cast, obviously entirely different. Um, you know, but like, but they, their integrity is the same. And I think that's really interesting is like, it's not as, it's not obvious to the average person who has or has not seen these movies that this would be an excellent double, but it is, it just works. There are so many more similarities than one might think. I also think like, yes, different casts, obviously 20 years apart, but I feel like Bruce Willis could do Theater of Blood. That would be really funny. I think Meryl Streep in 1973 could probably be uh, the Diana Rigg character in Theater of Blood. You know, like, um, there is there is that kind of just, like, tonal similarity in terms of, like, the pitch of the performances and also just the ability of these great actors. I have a, a, a curveball for you. You, you. you teed it up for me a couple minutes ago, and I couldn't bring it up at the time. Um, if you were to cast this movie now, who would it be? One of our favorite games to play. Austin Butler. <laughs> <laughs> too young, too young. Um, hmm. Gosh, you can't, you can't catch me off guard like this. I know. You know that, like, when you say those questions to me, my mind literally goes blank. Like, it takes me six working days yeah. to like process what you said. Just throw some it. names out there. Um. Oh my goodness, I'm literally blanking. Um, how old are they in this, do you think? 30s? They're in their f- late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably a little bit older than that, maybe. They're um, middle-aged. Gosh. You give me a name and I'll play off of it. Okay. Johnny Knoxville. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, I think it would be a very different performance from, like from Bruce Willis. Like Rachel McAdams, maybe? She's very funny. Yeah, she is very funny, and she doesn't get to play as much as she should. Um, that's a really good choice. Um, oh, my gosh. Let me just... Um, Matthew McFadden. McFadden. Oh, yeah. It's that's got, it. It's Matthew It's McFadden. definitely got to be Matthew McFadden. For sure, it has to be Matthew McFadden. I think Rachel McAdams is actually a really, a really good pick. I'm trying to think. Uh, so like, she's the Goldie Hawn part, right? Yeah. So then who's the Meryl Streep part? Who's the Meryl Streep of the modern day other than Meryl Maybe Streep? Like, uh, I don't know that she's that funny, but I feel like... Anne Hathaway, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it would it would give me similar I don't care vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I could, uh, Anne Hathaway can be kind of like mean and, you know, I think she, I don't know. But I don't know. That might be it. I, Anne Hathaway? And she made the, the Witches with Robert Zemeckis a few years ago. That might be it for like a quick, we tried to do it in two minutes. Yeah. 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 I think I do like the blonde and the brunette thing, though. Anne Hathaway, Rachel McAdams, and who's our guy? I already forgot. Uh, Johnny. No, no, not Johnny. Matthew McFadden. Matthew McFadden. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good movie. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> and then of course, Cambrana does Theater of Blood in real life. Um. Okay, that was great. That was a success. 
We're um, canceling the podcast, not just the series, the entire podcast. We're actually, FP is shutting down. We're canceling the entire website. Um, it will never get better than this. Um, I, like, slave over uh, pairings for months, you know, when I do these Double Features articles and stuff. And this was just like, mwah. Yeah, I, it's so funny. We have, so, well, if you're in Baltimore, I'm always going to plug them. Beyond Video. We live down the street from Beyond Video. Um, it's a nonprofit video rental store. We love them, love the team, whatever. Go to Beyond Video if you're in the Baltimore area or visiting. Um, but in saying that, uh, one time, one of the very first times you ever brought me to Beyond Video, I said, I am just going to, like, blind choose something. Not, like, literally close my eyes, scan my finger, and pick something. But I was like, I am just going to pull random titles off the shelf that I've never heard of and find interesting, and we're going to watch it and just see how it goes. And the first time I ever did that, I chose, um, oh my god, what is it called? Faults. Faults. And we really liked it. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I have, like, this skill for just, like, <laughs> We've judging. never done it since. And we've never found something good since. I've tried it, like, three other times, and I've gone, like, I have to give up for my own sake. Because <laughs> I clearly don't have the knack that I thought I did. Um, so, yeah, I think it's funny, like, when you just stumble upon these things. It's like, we won't be able to recreate it. No, no. But we will try with our zombie episode. I feel like with this episode, we don't even know what the movies are yet. We don't even know, like. And we just know it will be, be like, worse. You know what, guys? Don't don't listen to next week. It won't be as good. No, I do want to know. So I'm going to let you go first because I feel like there's a small chance that we have the same movie. And so I have a backup if that is the case. Uh, unlikely, but small. You said that your starts with a D, right? Oh, that's right. I did tell you that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so, regardless, so you just we, go first. We don't have the same movie. Okay. All right. We, we did that, by the way, to be like, did we pick the same movie? Even though saying that your movie starts with a D is like saying, like, I don't know, <laughs> what color are oranges? Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Dead People, yeah. Deader. Like, I mean, yeah. just like what so – I can't believe I found a zombie movie that doesn't start with D, actually. <laughs> All right. Once again, it could have been 28 Days Later. My dog, Sonny, did not pick our dog. Our dog. I'm sorry. Our dog, Sonny, did not pick that. He chose Train to Busan. Oh, that's a great pick. I'm excited about oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, I, is that so basic of me? Is that so like, but again, it's like, I feel like this is a movie people really like. People were really hyped up about when it came out. I didn't see. And I'm just like, let's check it off the list. We actually had the chance to see it one time, if you remember. I do remember. Because back uh, in the quarantine, we were hosting Netflix parties, and I used uh, that as an opportunity to watch this movie that I had never seen, but it was like that night, Netflix party went down, and we couldn't host. We never rescheduled it or anything. And it's so funny, because so when we I We came was, very close to watching it, but never did. When I was picking it, I thought to myself, like... What like I feel like we've seen this before, and I couldn't remember what the circumstances were. But I went to it's didn't say that you had watched it on Letterbox, and I was like, he wouldn't have just like not logged it, like no. you know, he would have logged it. So I was like, surely he has not seen it. I really hope I'm not wrong, whatever. And so I well, I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad. I'm glad that you know you think this this was a good pick. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see it. But yeah, that, that thank you for reminding me where my like nostalgia was coming from. Trend to boost on 2016. Martial law is declared when a mysterious viral outbreak pushes Korea into a state of emergency. Those on an express train to Busan, a city that has successfully fended off the viral outbreak, must fight for their own survival. I also chose it because you and I were talking recently about wanting to explore more Korean movies. 
Yes, so. that's one of those like um, we Korea, Korean movies one hundred and one. Yeah, yeah, we we like we, we all know that like Korea is um, is like a great place for cinema, but it's kind of where do you start? Well, you should do some of the one hundred and ones, and this is one of them. Interesting enough. Okay, not I don't think anything's going to be this double that we had this week, but you have a very contained outbreak. Okay, it's stuck in a train. I also have a very contained outbreak in 2004's Dawn of the Dead. I Okay, so can I be honest? I thought you were going to pick this movie, and that's why I didn't, because I also wanted to pick that movie. I feel like, again, oh, Zombie 101. Yes. We're going for the, because we don't watch zombie movies and because we haven't seen many of them. I, I just kind of had a feeling that you, you were going to pick it and that I wouldn't have to, but I'm glad, I'm also glad that you picked this because I feel like it's just a, if, if Train to Busan is like Korean film 101, it's, you know, th- these two are also zombie 101. So Dawn of the Dead, of course, a remake of the 1978 film Dawn of the Dead, which was part of George Romero's uh, zombie dead films, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Um, another reason why giving me the letter d did nothing for me yes um but i i also had a feeling that you were going to pick this because it has uh uma thurman in it and we just watched kill bill and i was like mm, is he on a uma thurman kick that's not uma thurman it's sarah polly it looks exactly like uma thurman wait shut the fuck up anyway i will talk while you look at that um i i'm just gonna say something that's gonna upset some people the 1978 dawn of the dead I didn't like very much. Now, it's one of those, I probably watched it under the wrong circumstances, middle of lockdown, right? It's probably a much better, maybe crowd movie, or definitely crowd movie, maybe with a group movie, maybe not when you're like in the depressive state that is six months of lockdown, right? Seven months of lockdown, whatever it was. I just was kind of underwhelmed by that original. I'm hoping that this Zack Snyder remake, and we don't... We'll get into some of the Zack Snyder of it all next week. Will sort of either make me want to uh, reassess the original by going back to rewatch it, or help me just better appreciate the original. Um, and also, I just kind of felt like a two thousand and four mall movie, like you know, the whole thing takes place in in one shopping mall that gets shut down. That's very I don't know why two kids of us. You know, it just feels kind of like yeah, this is like our era in a way. Um, and so, yeah, a little 101, right? A little, a little obvious, both of these films, but I think we might be onto something. I also feel like it's, you know, sometimes we're just going to have topics that we aren't super interested in. Like there might be some zombie aficionados. Right. We already did witches and we already did creatures. You know? I was, I was thinking actually we need to have a ghosts. Oh, ghosts next year. We yes. got to put that on the list for next year. Yes. I'm try- I was trying to think of other examples, but that's the only one that came to mind. Um, okay. So we will see you next week for that, folks. So very quick, all the places you can find us. This podcast, of course, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, uh, but the main place to find us is FeaturePresentationVideo.com. It's our website. It's the home of everything that we do. This is, of course, the flagship podcast for that website. In the month of October, we go full spooky. We do these double features. I'm doing spooky reviews. Um, doing some spooky Y2 kids, some new stuff, some old stuff can all be found on FeaturePresentationVideo.com. If you put your email address in, we will send you everything that we do for free, five days a week, free stuff. Um, you can also, if you want, donate five bucks a month just kind of to the cause uh, in, in appreciation of what we do. We have subscriber-only stuff coming 
um, very soon. Uh, and so you might want to be uh, on board for that as soon as it starts. Um, this podcast, like I said already, anywhere you listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave us a nice review. You can find me at Patrick J. Regal, everywhere you find people online. You can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone and on X at Mailer Talone. The best place to find the show is our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. Full spooky on the site. We're still doing two new bombshells on this feed, so if you also listen to our reality TV show podcast, that won't stop because we're covering Love is Blind right now, um, but does not go on the site because the site is full spooky. So this uh, show next week, the zombie episode, all the stuff that we do, you don't want to miss it. So head over there and put your email address in. This show uh, for the month of October is going to drop on Wednesdays. So uh, expect that. Our zombie double feature next week of Dawn of the Dead and Train to Busan. See you then.